0: Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Brother Rico, for them words of encouragement because we are in a time. It's no doubt about it that we're going to have to be on point. And being on point don't have nothing to do with our circumstances or that which is happening on the outside. Being on point is what God has just continued to minister to us about And that is that our inward man, our soul, our heart is in line with God. Because there's so much that's going to happen on the outside. We can even ask, you know, if you look at Christ, even the son of God, his time here, his whole time here. Can you just imagine that if he, uh, the son of God, that if he measured his stay here based on our circumstances, man, we, will we even know that he is the son of God? Because all that he endured was trials, tribulation, and hardship over and over again on the outside. But the good news is, is that he was connected on the inside. Come on, somebody. To the almighty God, and that allowed him not to lose focus. And that is our journey For each and every one of us, as the true children of the Most High God, that's what our journey is all about in there. And so these things cannot be measured or evaluated, is a good word that I heard on this morning even, by our circumstances. But we have to be rooted and grounded and remember that which we know for certain, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified, and he has risen from the dead to the glory of the Father for the remission of my sin. Amen. Come on, somebody. And having received that in my heart, that puts me in right, somebody say right, right standings with God Almighty. Amen. And that is where my righteousness is. Hallelujah. And so with that being said, let us just look to the Lord right now as we uh, continue on this little journey that He has us on. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, how awesome and mighty is Your name. But not just Your name, Lord God, that is awesome and mighty, but You are awesome and mighty. Hallelujah. And thank you right now, Lord God, that we have the privilege to know that and have a heart and a mind to be able to receive that, Father God, for there's so many that are yet still blind to the truthful, Lord. So we don't even want to take it for granted, our faith, Lord God, the fact that that you reveal yourself and, and that we've heard who you are, Lord God, and we know who you are, Lord God. We just want to take a moment to thank you for drawing us to that place, Lord God. For if it was not for you, Lord God, we would not know you. If you had not drawn us, Lord God, we would not know you. So we thank you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord. And as you appeal to our hearts on this morning, Lord God, by your word. I pray right now, Lord God, that Every mind and heart is cleared right now, Lord God, cleared from the cares of life, cleared from the trials of life, cleared from the hardships of, of this life, Lord God. And let us just realize the safe place that we are in and are at in this hour, Lord God, a place that is sitting at the bottom of the the hill, on the grass, Lord God, and to be able to hear you speak to us, oh Lord, in such a powerful way by your Spirit. To the point that I pray that each and every one of us, Lord God, that we will receive what thus saith the Lord today. That as we sung the song, that it changes us, Lord God. That it rearranges us in such a way, Lord God, that we will never be the same. Draw us even closer to you, Lord God. And as you draw us, Lord God, let us have a heart to come closer to you, Lord. Because you continuously draw, and the question is, do we have the heart to, to, to move closer to you, Lord God? So, Father, on this day, this special day, this awesome day, because this is the day that you have made. And this is the only day that we have to look forward to because this is the day that we have, Lord God, not knowing yet what tomorrow may bring. So let us value and take treasure in this day, Lord God, as, it, as though if it was the last day. So speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Change us. Rearrange us, draw us, and make us over in the Son, Jesus' name, and let all the saints of God say amen, amen, and amen, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. So real quickly, we ain't going to be very long, um, we are continuing the series of Christian Liberty. This is part two of Christian Liberty. And as we get into this today, I just want to do a quick review uh, in there. For those uh, of you that were not here last week, please make sure you get the the tape or the CD, I'm sorry, and and listen to it in its entirety that you may bring yourself up to speed because we are talking and God is ministering to us um, also important uh, part of our journey as believers. And that part of the journey that he's speaking to us on is Christian liberty, Christian liberty. And he said, uh, and and at first glance, when you hear Christian liberty, somebody might get excited about, oh, I got, you know, because you hear Christian and you hear liberty. So you might be having this mindset of, you know, of what is in store uh, in this for for us, well, uh, just slow down for a minute because it is what's in store for you, but it's more than you can imagine, and for most of us, it's probably not what we imagine uh, in there. So, just in quick review, the, the the end all, we're gonna jump all the way to the end of the series. The end all result of Christian liberty, or what the or where we are to land at, is an understanding that as the Christian as the man or woman or the person of God that we are the most free of all and also subject to none see this is we well, I'm just giving you a preview but we're going to the end because our journey should take us to a understanding that as a Christian I'm talking about a born again believer that we are the most free of all and subject to none, but come on, somebody, uh, and that's that's good news. However, somebody say, however, Amen. however, in our freedom, in us being subject to none, and the reason why we are totally free and subject to none is because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, however, as a Christian, we are the most dutiful servants of all. So while we are yet free of all, we are the most dutiful servants. We are the dutiful being dutiful, meaning that uh, we have a heart to do the will of God as a servant. And guess what? And subject to all. So while we are free from all, we are subject to all because of the duties as a servant that are that, that uh you see, and this is where we're gonna end up at. And it's nothing like being free to be a servant. See, there's, there is there are some that are that are servants by force, but to be free. And then have a heart, come on somebody, to want to do the will of your father that will put you in a, a heart set that will make you subject to everyone and the subject to everyone is born out of the love that God has placed in our heart in there because he, he, what he's placed in our heart is the heart that he has. And while God is God and above all, all why has he submitted ourselves or subject himself to us, the man. See that picture in there. And the beautiful part about this Christian liberty, and and, and that is the end goal, is for us to not just to hear these things, but I'm talking about to have this rooted and grounded in your soul in such a way that you are free to move in it. Because we as a, a people, we have a real dilemma And many of us is dealing with all, we deal with these things every single day as we trying to be a a, a Christian man, but then at the same time, dealing with the foolishness of the people of this world. And it puts us in a crossfire. Come on, somebody. Well, God is trying, is wanting to set us free and that freedom is going to come through our understanding. And so on last week in quick review, there was a couple major things that I just want to review real fast. Uh, for us as we go on this journey to understand that while I am as a, a born again believer, a child of God, free and, and subject to no man, but because of the heart that God has placed in me and given me and imparted to me, that it makes that it's given me a heart to uh, to love in, in a dutiful way to serve God that makes me subject to all men. Hallelujah. In there, we see that Paul uh, himself kind of had, you know, he he said it in in such a way that while he, uh, you know, knew that he was free from all man, but it was the love of God and it was the calling of God that compelled him to, to, to do the work that he did, you know, to serve like he did, to give his whole life up, to be a servant of the Most High God. In there. And when you are serving of the most high God, it makes you subject to all men. In there. Not subject to man because man has you under subjection, but you subject subject to man because God has captured your heart and you are under his captivity. Come on, somebody. In there. So I'm free from all men, but yet I am a captive servant of all men because of God. Glory be to God. Amen. So one of the major things that we looked at last week uh, is that we have to understand that we, man, is composed of twofold nature. That man is composed of twofold nature, and that is the spiritual nature and the fleshly nature. The, uh, the spiritual nature or the bodily nature, in other words. The spiritual nature we uh, talked about last week that is also named or is sometimes called the spirit man. The spiritual nature also is sometimes referred to as the inner man or inward man. The spiritual nature of uh, this, hear what I'm saying, let me slow down for a minute so everybody can get this. You as a born again believer have a makeup of twofold nature. The spirit man and the bodily man, the fleshly man. The, The spirit man is also referred to as the new man. The bodily man uh, is, is sometimes referred to in the word is the fleshly man or the outward man, even the old man, okay? And that's exactly what he's supposed to be, is the old man. And see, the apostle Paul said this, that though our outward man perish, yet my inward man is being renewed day by day. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 in there. So the first thing is that you, and we went into real detail about this, that we have to understand that we are twofold nature. Okay? The second thing is in the fact that being a twofold nature, that our salvation and our justification comes to the inward man, the soul. It does not, your salvation, your justification has not came through the outward man. And we talked about this in detail. I can't go through all of this, so you're going to have to get the tape, but you're just, our, we are justified in our soul, by our soul. It's the inward man that has been justified. We talked about the fact that, see, when, uh, when, when Jesus come again, you're, this, this uh, fleshly body that you have, the Bible refers, says that it, from dust you uh, have come and to dust you shall return. So when Jesus comes, he's coming back for your soul, my friend. And while we have a soul or inward man and he's in a fleshly body and it is our reasonable service to, to, to yield our body as a living sacrifice. In other words, it is our reasonable service to give this body or yield it to the inward man, the soul. The one that Jesus is coming back for. Come on, somebody. So understand this, that our, your justification is by the soul. Your soul justification is by the soul, and that it comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So understand this, one thing and one thing alone is necessary for justification in Christian liberty. And that is the most holy word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. As he has said, in it was in uh, John chapter 11 when he spoke to Martha and them that I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth on me shall never die, but what? Have eternal life, or should never die eternally, so your soul will never die. Glory be to God. He that believeth on me, his soul shall never die but live eternally with him. In there. So let uh, let it be known, let it be understood that there's one thing and one thing only that justification and liberty needs above all things, and that is the word of God. We talked about the fact that, and, and this is just beautiful because when you think about it, and some of us probably have never really. I know that I hadn't, so many of us probably had never even thought about this, but in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, this is where Jesus was being tempted after he had fasted for 40 days. And he was being tempted by uh, Satan. This is at the beginning of his ministry. And through the first temptation that Satan presented to him was for him to do what? For him to turn bread, I mean a stone into bread. In there. But Jesus answered him, and he says, but every word, uh, he says, a man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, bread feeds your flesh. But the bread of life, the word that comes from above, the holy word of God is what feeds your soul, my friend. And it's high time that we begin to understand that just as we know the value of of the bread that we eat for the bodily nurturing. But do you understand the bread that has been given that you must eat of that will nourish your soul? And the importance of it. This is what uh, the Spirit of God has been speaking. In, in, in uh, he said it this morning in, in our in the circle. He's been. Uh, this is what he's compelling us to. That we get this, my friend. We know the value of natural food that nourishes the natural body. We have to begin to know the value of the spiritual food that's, that, that, that nourishes the spiritual body or the spirit man or the inner man or the new man. So what is being said here is how can we as believers, <coughs> as Christians, how can any of us, you know, go from one day to the next without eating of the bread that, that nourishes the soul. And we've been starving ourselves and wondering why is my soul so downcast? Why is this and why is that? And, uh, it's because we have not fed our soul. And when a soul is starved, then guess who's going? what nature is going to take over and be in control? The one that we are feeding, and I, and I ain't just talking about feeding it of the lust. That's a uh, for sure thing, but even you, we feed that daily. And for many of us, three times a day, and we ain't trying to miss not, not even one of them. We got to begin to know the value, and this is what, uh, in, 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 in order to know that the, that the soul has to be fed. I'm talking to somebody today. Because see, what, the thing about it is is that the church, we have not really understood this very much. And, and, and if we really allow the word of God to speak to us, then we would have known that this had to be one of the most important things for several reasons. One, Jesus' ministry just getting ready to begin and the first thing that Satan tries to bring to him is to, for him not to eat of the, uh, the, 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 um, the food that is going to nourish his soul for this journey. Can you imagine that if Jesus had not ate uh, just what he said, that man shall not live by bread alone, but he's going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you know that when Jesus became a man, that if he did not know that, where would me and you be today? He he knew that he needed this in order to be able to finish the journey that God has set before him. If he had not ate of the other bread, I'm talking about the bread that nourishes his soul, the holy word of God, he would have not made it to the cross. And if it was that important to him and him being much more divine than we ever will be in this flesh. Then you we got to see the importance for you and me even the more that we will not survive. If you do not have a a burning appetite for the holy word of God, my friends. And God is trying to stir up that appetite. See, you know, sometimes when a person, you know, have been without something for so long, then you just kind of, you know, you don't need it no more. But God is trying to reestablish that appetite that we need his word and we need it to the utmost. So soul justification, I'm talking about soul justification. I'm talking about your justification, your salvation, my friend. It comes by the soul, your inner man. It is not by your flesh. It's not by your flesh. It ain't even for your flesh because your flesh, no flesh can glory in his presence. And that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and if you read, somebody write this down because at some point, read Psalms 19. But not only Psalm 19, but Psalms, uh, excuse me, Psalms 119. The whole Psalm of 119, you'll see and feel and understand that the writer there, how his heart was burning and yearning out. He was crying out to the Lord and sighing uh, to the Lord for the Word of God with so many groans and, 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 and words that you know, it's unbelievable. And that ain't the only place. Uh, there's many other places in the Bible where you, you see the, the, the heart of man crying out for the Word of God. Crying out for the Word of God. And our hearts have to cry out for the Word of God. And see, and we live in a time now. If, if you can imagine this, this is powerful because if you could just imagine this, there is no more cruel strokes of wrath of God. There would be, there's no more cruel strokes of wrath of God when He sends a famine of hearing His words. This is what Amos, the prophet Amos, I'm talking about. I'm gonna explain this to you here in just a second. Just as there is no greater favor. From him, to my God, then him sending forth his word. So here's what Amos came to understand, and it's so powerful, that the, the, the biggest wrath that God could ever do to man is to bring a famine on sending his word out to them. Do everybody understand what I'm saying? So what that means, you know what a famine is? A famine means that it ain't no more. So for God to bring forth a famine uh, on his word, meaning that he's not going to send his word no forth, no forth no more. See, this is kind of what you see the children of Israel went through for 400 years. From that period uh, of the last words that God spoke to them at the end of Malachi and for, uh, until Matthew, that they hadn't heard for God for 400 years. That is the biggest raft that, 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 that's known that could be given to us. Uh, not uh, him, not locusts in our land, not a bunch of grasshoppers. And you can imagine, oh, I can see somebody now. If he fills your house with grasshoppers, boy, some of us would think, man, that's, got, that's the worst thing ever. Lord, don't do that one. I'll do anything. But the truth of the matter is, is him filling your whole apartment uh, uh, with grasshoppers or your whole house with grasshoppers is not worse than him withholding his word from you, my friend. That that would be a greater famine because what it would do, it will take his word from your soul. See, the grasshoppers, as a matter of fact, you, uh, you know, after a period of time, even if you're scared from the beginning, it's after a period of time, you, they ain't going away, and you, you, and you can't go away, then you'll learn to deal with them. You can get used to them. To the point, even if you have to start eating them, as, as John the Baptist, the Bible says that he lived on locusts and wild honey. That's a grasshopper, locusts in there, but the word of God. So even these grasshoppers can then begin to uh, be nourishment to your flesh, the body. As gross as that sounds. But the lack of God's word will famish your soul. You will die. You will die. And on the other hand is this. The picture is is that the greatest favor from God or that God can send forth to us is his word. And we ask God to intercede and and for so many situations and things and for most of the things that we ask God to intercede and show favor on us for is our fleshly man. The outward man, the old man. See, when we seek in the favor of God, most of us, in ninety-nine percent of the time, we asking Him to show us some favor to the fleshly man. Whether it's to help me with my rent, fix my car, this, that, give me a you know fix my, give me a new hairdo or something, whatever it is. It's the Our man. But do you realize that the greatest favor that, that, that we can get from God and one that we should our hearts should be burning for and asking him for is his word. It's the word of God. And it's just funny because having said that, if we really understand, then we can see that Christ was sent for no other office than that of the word. And the order of every apostle, every bishop, every minister, every teacher, every evangelist, every title that you can name, and every, uh, every born-again believer is what it really boils down to, that the, the, that the office of every one of us is to do what? Is to institute the word of God or to minister the word of God, or to pass the word of God on to somebody. Amen. See, we're talking about two different things here. Remember, we ju- I just said that the nature, we have twofold natures. So we're not talking about this fleshly nature. We are talking about the inward man. And this is what the the, uh, the message from last week will go into detail about, because that is where your salvation takes place in your soul, in the inward man. And it's high time, I'm talking about the church has to understand this because this has not been taught. The the, the separation has not been made. Yes, we didn't hear. We know that he's coming back for our soul. But until somebody just really breaks this down and make it plain and simple, then even though we know that ultimately he's coming back with our soul, because we have that that's stored somewhere, because every single day we live in out of the flesh and what he can do for us in the flesh. See, this is where the real problem is, is because there has not been a division or line drawn. That is God, and and so it plays to every part. It plays to our worship and everything else. This is the reason why the word of God says, those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. But we are trying to worship him by the flesh. And so when our flesh feels good, then we praise him a lot. Even though it don't go past His rough. But when our flesh don't feel good, then you know, our, our countenance is downcast, and then we don't praise Him as much, which don't go nowhere either. But true praise is what God ta- uh, desires. As he, works, he desires true worshipers is what John chapter 4 says. Those that will worship him in spirit and in truth, and that is from the inside. Because that is what's saved. That is what uh, has been sealed. That is where you have been justified and, and set free. That's where the grace of God has touched. And this is huge. And so, understand that this word is the Jesus Christ the gospel of Jesus Christ. This word that we are talking about is the gospel of God concerning his sons. Incarnation, his suffering, his, uh, the fact that he's risen, his glorified, his glorification, and it's through the spirit, the sanctifier. And that is to, that we are to preach Christ to feed the soul to justify it and to set it free and to save it. Again, we are to preach Christ to feed the soul and to save the soul and to justify the soul and to save the soul for each man that will believe. And we got to understand this. Why are we preaching the gospel to feed the flesh? This is why we water down the gospel when we try to even minister the gospel because we appeal it to people's flesh and not their soul. This is huge. But we have to understand what we was talking about last week is saving faith. For faith alone is the only thing. Faith alone with affections Use, uh, the effective use of god's word is the only thing that brings salvation so faith is the is the conduit into uh, and that's number three that's the third thing that we've talked about is that faith is the conduit that brings forth salvation and this faith is not in your intellect this faith is for it works in your inner man it's in the soul of man and we call faith uh some We're trying to use faith that that, that we operate with the outward man. Do you see the state of the church? Can you begin to clearly see not only the state of church, but then for each and every one of us individually, is that we have been trying to to have this relationship with God on our own terms, and it don't work like that. And now he's wanting to bring forth some truth that you can have the right relationship with him. This is why the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, that if a man confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believes in his heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's with, and, uh, it goes on to say that it's because with the heart one believes unto righteousness. It's with the heart one believes and is made right with God, not your intellect, not your outward man. The heart is a a part of the is another word for the inward man. So it's the inner man that believes that make in that belief in my inner man. Remember, you are twofold. You are the uh, the, the fleshly nature and the spiritual nature. So it's only in the spiritual nature can this be received. And that is what makes one right with God. And then I'll tell you this, my friend, that is no man that has been made right with God outside of uh, his heart or the soul or his inward man receiving this uh, word. This word. And believing on his word. So, if you have just believed in your flesh, you better reevaluate your salvation because there ain't none. And I don't have no problem telling you. But it's high time to get that. That our commitment and our belief has to be with the heart. You're inward man. And see, and, and there's a reason why, because when your soul believes that Jesus is the incarnate God, that he died for my sins, that he was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, which is our sign that God is pleased and the price has been paid in there. When that happens, When your soul uh, does this, then your soul becomes uh, in line with God. And your soul then is what lines up with God. See, you control your flesh. But guess what controls your flesh? Your soul will control your flesh if that's the one that you feed. And if it's nourished, if it's not deprived of God's word, why? Because we were made, our souls were made in the likeness of God. Our souls was made to be in communion with God. This is how we was made from before the fall of man, before this flesh got injected with all of this stuff that's working against our soul right now. See, this is huge. Faith is the conduit to justification and and salvation. And faith, this faith is not some outward faith. This is faith that is in from your heart. This is believing what God has said, and that alone. And see, and this is the, the beautiful part. See, now we can make truly the separation that when we have that saving faith, that we can understand this, but this faith cannot consist of all works or any works. See, this faith here that, that brings forth salvation and justification and rightness with God is done without any works. So your good works don't count and even your bad works don't count against you when it comes to this faith. See, and this is huge, and this is hard, because people, you know, uh, man, because we, it's by nature, the fleshly nature, feel like we got to do something in order to deserve something or to have something. But this faith cannot consist of any. Or all works, whether good or bad, none of it plays a part on or moves, drives, or changes this faith in what it does. See, and somebody already is thinking, "Well, man, if that's the case, then well, uh, man, what's going to stop one from taking this, uh, you know, and, and using it?" as a, a, you know, a, a, a occasion for fault or sin. See, you write back into the flesh. See, that's what your fleshly mind is saying. But a soul that has been saved by God, a soul that have believed in, a soul that have been touched with the word of God and the truth of God, that soul honors what he has been touched by. See, and this I ought to speak to each and every one of us to make an um, assessment of our own self, because I'm telling the soul. I ain't talking about here. Get it out. Let's put the line back up, because what you're trying to understand what has just been said in the flesh. See, because yes, yes, your flesh, when 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 it's been given a free reign, it will take it to the limit. That's why it says you'll give the flesh a mouth; it'll take two. But we are not talking about your flesh, so don't get it confused. Quit going over and back and forth over the line. No, stay in the soul side. Because on the soul side, a soul honors that which he believes in to the utmost. And there ain't no variations in that. And this, then number four, is faith reigns only in our inner man. And this is the good news because, see, and this is where God, not our flesh and our understanding, but God himself can uh, really rightfully and and, and, and justifiably work. See, that's why he works in the soul, in, in the decision that the soul or the heart of a man have made, because he can honor that, because it honors him. There, so even though the flesh of that same man, even the, the flesh of the same man that have honored God with his heart or with his soul, even though the flesh of that man may go up and down, God can say, You know what? He can divide that. This is why he can divide it. No, you can't understand it because you're dealing with your flesh, and your flesh is a problem for you. We get that. God gets it. And because he got it, he already, and because he knew it before you did, that's why he did it like this. That's why he spent the blood of his son, so that uh, when he satisfied God, that he, God could separate this thing. Because otherwise, then you would be coming in salvation and out the door. God would have to save you over and over again. Over and over again. We're talking about Christian liberty. Ultimately, we're going to get there because we're going to get to this understanding that we are free of all men and subject to none. But yet, because of the duty, being a, because we are a dutiful servants, then we subject ourselves to all men. That the glory of God may be shown through us and that the will of God may be done in our life. Glory be to God. And see, you can see the dilemma right there, my friends, that we have to have a separation of this, this uh, outward man and inward man. And uh, we have to have a separation of our understanding in it because otherwise it will play too many tricks on us. It will drive you nuts because you wouldn't know which one you're in from one moment to the next. And you will be twisted. But glory be to God that we have a God that is awesome and he has set the stage and how he has set the stage is is based on the heart. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And since it alone justifies, it is evident that no outward work, labor, can the inner man be, uh, be at all justified freed, made free, and saved, and there's no works, whatever they are, that have any relationship to the inward man. That, In other words, the same thing I've been saying, that there's nothing of your outward man that can influence or have any relationship with your inner man. That been your soul that has been saved. God made that separation, and He did it solely on the fact of this: of a, of a, a heart that is an impious heart, or a heart that is uh, that is uh, in, dual, uh, in duality, uh, you know, a heart that is full of incredulity. Which again, I explained that last week is a heart that is that withholds the uh, believing in God. That a heart, your heart, that a heart that has made a decision to not believe. A heart that has made a decision to resist uh, having reverence towards God. See, when a heart has, uh, is in that state, and as opposed to the state that, of one that has submitted himself to God and believed in, see why the heart is all of this. And so because of that in and of itself, and God knows the heart of a man, in there, and that when your heart makes a decision to, to put God and to believe in the, what, the, the works that God has finished, <clears throat> this is why Jesus told the Jews. And I mentioned this last week when they asked him, you know, Rabbi, you know, uh, messing with Jesus, what must we do to do the works of the Father? And he told them, uh, to put away all of that other monkey business that's puffing you up, all of them works that make you got a big chest and big head and and big this and big that and big all that. He says, and do one thing and one thing only, and that is to believe on the one whom he sent. He says, this is the work of the father to believe on the one whom he sent. And that's it. And see, when the heart does that, then God seals that heart and he puts that heart into a place of right standings and right state with him, despite what the tricks of the flesh may try to come up against them in the future. See, but when that heart is in that state, then each and every day it's going to press on and press forward. Because it's going to honor what it believes in. And this is why the word of God makes it sure that you will know them by their fruits. Because as the one that the heart believes in, he's going to be the one that's in control. And the fruits of it will manifest in time. No, the flesh is still going to be coming against you. But what you will see is that the, the heart, the inward man is going to take over the outward man. Not that he's going to ever make the outward man perfect because he's not. not in, that's why the outward man has to be done away with. But he will bring him under subjection to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. And he will continue to fight the fight to bring him under subjection. It's like putting them in a chokehold. You know, when you put them in a chokehold, they can, they'll relax for a little while, but they're going to come back again. Try to, you, know, you got to hold them, you got to wrestle with them some more. But the inner man will put them in a chokehold. Glory be to God. And every time he rises up, he going to hold on to him and choke him out some more. Doggone it. You will not win. See, when that has happened in the heart and the soul of a man, this is the manifestation. And we got to know it so we won't be sidetracked when the flesh comes up and he starts to uh, mess with you. Just uh, choke him out. Why? Because he's given us the power to be sons of God, so you have the power to choke him out, but you got to do it. That's your part. God has already done his part, so don't be asking God to choke out what he already gave you the power to do. This is what we're talking about on Thursday. That's why we got to learn how to pray. To quit asking God to do what he already done. And that was just, and he's just waiting for you to do what you're supposed to do. Man, we need the wisdom of the Lord. <laughs> wow. That's a quick review. of last week. So moving into the next part, which obviously we ain't going to be able to do today. So I guess part two is just going to be Pastor Ray, a review of part one. And then part three will start the next uh, part two. (laughs) Hallelujah. But we serve a God that is awesome. He's mighty and we have to get this. So this ain't even worth uh, rushing through anyway. It's, it's worth digging deep in and, 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 and getting to the root of it that it may really accomplish what God needs it to accomplish in our lives, my friend. My God. So in closing here, then understand this, that right faith in Christ is incomparable, It's an incomparable treasure, my friend. It's an incomparable treasure. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. See? See, this is what we're talking about. This is what God, this is why that belief in the heart of a man, that it leads to he that believeth shall be saved. God is going to do this. He's done it. But he that believeth not will be damned. Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says that. And the Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah, he looked into this treasure, predicted that uh, this. He predicted the, uh, the consumption decrees shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of the land. This is Isaiah chapter 10, verse 22 and 23. And so what is he saying? As, he, uh, as, as though he's saying this, faith with its brief and complete fulfill, uh, excuse me, faith is the brief and complete filling or fulfilling of the law. It will fill those who believe with such righteousness that they will need nothing else for justification, my friend. See, this faith that saves us puts us in a place in, in, in the prophet Isaiah way back then, Isaiah 10, and 23 uh, predicted this or forecasted and said it, that God will send forth his righteousness in such a way that those who believe he will, it will fulfill them up to the point where it fulfills the law. And in that, they will need nothing else for just no nothing else for justification. See, and so what is he talking about? Nothing else. So he they he don't need your works. And he don't need your lack of works. None of them count for your justification. But there is a, a question then, because then why is the word of God filled with so much compelling of us? in his word, to do the work. Good you asked. And if you really want to know that, then show up next week. Oh, actually not next week. Two weeks from now. But show up next week too because uh, Minister Calvin is going to be ministering on Mother's Day. But we will pick this up in two weeks from now. Which is powerful. And if you think that this is powerful, then you'll understand the power that is linked to it that yes God's word charges us uh in there there uh, or, or so much of his word was birthed out of what we call precepts but we're going to rightly divide that because the word of God I will give you the, this insight so y'all can hold me accountable to it because I'll get going and maybe go in a whole different direction but the the message the next step in the message is because the word of God compels us to work then we need to have a right understanding that the word of God is made up of two promises or two to uh, the word of God is, is, is broken down in two ways. It's precepts and promises. And we as born again, New Testament, new men, believers, we need to understand because see, the precepts was for a purpose. And it's tied into just what uh, Isaiah wrote, and the fact that when, God, when one believes, then God can send forth his righteousness in such a way that it will fulfill the law. You see, and this is why the Bible says that the Jesus Christ is the, is the fulfillment or the end of the law. In there, that's powerful you're going to get shared that or God is going to share that with us. I'm talking about to understanding, not all of this other stuff. I'm talking about to where our souls can really understand because the precepts of God were sent forth for one thing and one thing only. It was for the morality or, uh, of man. That for man to see his state of morality and in seeing the state, our state, then it only will lead us to one place and one place only. Because no man is moral. No, not one. And with the heart, I ain't talking about what your soul, I mean with your mind or this flesh, but when the soul sees that the precepts of a man and the state of him as a man, when the soul seen that, it only had one desperate cry, and that was for a holy God. It humbled that heart to a humble a place. And this is where our salvation takes place. This is where justification takes place. This is why God can rightly do what he's doing. Because a heart that have received and believes in the, in, in, in the finished work of Christ Jesus is a heart that have seen itself uh, in a place without hope. Not a place that he puffed himself up with pride but one that says, Lord, I need a Savior because I know that without a Savior, I am doomed. In there. And if you didn't understand that, when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, then we need to receive him again. Or actually, you need to receive him for the first time. In the name of Jesus. Because that is the picture. In this watered-down gospel, quote-unquote, It's no different than even some of the false teaching that Paul and them contended with. They tried to add something else to the truth, to add, try to add the works of the law to the truth, and that's an abomination to the Almighty God. Let us look to the Lord, Father in the.